The Theonauts, Episode 12. The one where we recreate the Hunger Games. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Welcome, Theopucians. <laughs> Theocles? <laughs> I don't know. How's it going out there? I hope you're having a great day today. Yeah, we are now on episode 12, and I am David Gaddy. I am Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the The Theonauts. Awesomeness. Okay, so uh, we had some fun last time. Yeah. With all the the Bible stories. The porn talk? Oh, the porn talk. That was awesome. (laughs) The Bible stories. Come on now. Hey, there's porn in the Bible. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I guess there is. Somewhat. Uh, Back there in Judges somewhere. (laughs) That dirty book. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, that actually worked out really well. The, yeah. the the pornography discussion because, like, right after that we had oh, yeah. we had an event here at the little coffee shop for um, awareness of the, the sex trafficking, slave trafficking. Well, yeah, or human trafficking in general. But right. But we talked a lot about sex trafficking, and right. so we actually went through some of the stuff we talked about on the show. Right. About uh, the uh, pornography industry and how those women are, are slaves to it. Man, it's crazy. Uh, over and over, all week long, I've been. That subject has been brought up and talked about. You know, I don't know if people have been listening, but people have been talking to me about it. And I actually read in the news a while back, uh, uh, actually two days ago, uh, about a, a guy who openly admitted, uh, openly came out and said. I'm a pastor. I pastor a mega church, and I've been struggling with porn since I've been 14 years old. And uh, he wanted to come out and have his church uh, help him with it. And so I, I just think wow. it's amazing that you know people are actually opening up, revealing, They're thinking about the stuff, and exactly, and not not just pushing it away into the back of of the closet and not you know right hiding it, not talking about it, or right. You know, because we've got a, the biggest hurdle I think that the church has to get past right now is religious pride. Amen. And and it, you know, in this episode, we're going to talk about history. Yeah. And I think you'll see that it's nothing new. All right. I mean, it's obviously nothing new. That's, That's in, right. It's in the Bible, right? Yeah. But I mean, uh, church history is fraught with right. divisions over issues and and. Some of it's pretty petty. Some of it's major, but you know, it's like everyone has like, well, this is the absolute truth on it, and everyone else is wrong with me, and you know, you know, we had we had one major reformation in church history. Now I'm thinking about it, and that was pretty much over, I guess, uh, faith versus works, right? That was basic, right? Big part of it, yeah, big part of it. I think if we were ever to have another reformation, I think it'd be over religious pride. 
I think that's the number one reformation we need to have today. Yeah. We need to continually be reforming, but that's the number one reformation. I'd, so we need another Martin Luther. Maybe it's uh, yeah. uh, you know some kid growing up somewhere in Podunk, Texas, that's going to stand <laughs> up and be the next one. But. So we've got tons of stuff to talk about in this episode, so we're going to go ahead and hit oh, the yeah. news now. And now, the news. All right. Well, did you know, David... That the newest Sports Illustrated swimsuit magazine has a model that we may have all seen before. And when I say model, I don't mean living, breathing model as much as I mean plastic one. What? Yeah. (laughs) Barbie strikes an unapologetic pose in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. (laughs) Barbie the doll. Barbie the doll is going to be featured in the new Sports Illustrated (laughs) swimsuit. Can you believe that? That's from from CNN.com, so you know it's legit. I just, I'm shocked. I I guess it's, well, kind of. You have the picture of it there? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a bunch of different little pictures of Barbie throughout the ages. 1993, Army Medic, a firefighter in 95. So I'm looking through all these and... Uh, when you get to the 20th, there she is, Swimsuit Instructor 2008. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Okay, oh, don't wait a minute. Oh, no, this is blowing my mind if you think about it. Because, okay, this is a magazine geared for men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, honey? Oh, nothing. Just uh, shopping for my daughter's next Barbie dolls. What? <laughs> This is not even... I mean, it's like, what purpose does that serve? I don't know. It says, in honor of the 50th anniversary of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, the magazine teamed up with Barbie to feature this image in February. It shows Barbie in a in a very tasteful one-piece, by the way. Uh, black and white one-piece. Um, <laughs> though both brands have been widely criticized for their depiction of women, Mattel said the move was an effort... To celebrate entrepreneurs such as Tyra Banks and Heidi Klum, who, like Barbie, launched their careers in a swimsuit. That's a crock. That's I, it's total. <laughs> it's, it's a total, total mess. So that I think this is going to be probably one of the biggest snafas ever because, again, basically what they're saying is they're holding up Barbie and saying this is our ideal right. of which is what perfect pe- woman. Women have fought against that. For all their lives, years. yeah. And now here we have one more. <laughs> and, and and it would be one thing if it was like you know on the cover of Vanity Fair or <laughs> something like that. But no, Sports Illustrated geared towards men to check out women in their swimsuits, and here it is, Barbies <laughs> featured. Wow, uh, it's just shocking. So there's always some upset men whenever that magazine comes. Oh yeah, I guess so. What? <laughs> what is this? This is, you know, I like plastic, but not this much. <laughs> wow, that's so messed up. It's crazy. So I'll tell you what else is messed up. The uh, Cray and Flame are suing Katy Perry. <laughs> this this just in. Rapper sues pop star. I guess Katy Perry's new hit single "Dark Horse" um, is been sampled from uh, Flames' old album. I guess in two thousand eight, 
Flames' 2008 Grammy-nominated album Our World Regimed, and the song was Joyful Noise. For those of you who don't know, Lecrae and Flame are uh, Christian rappers. Amazing rappers, by the way. If you don't like rap music, you'll still like their music. Yeah, it's the lyrics alone. Yeah, they're just so powerful. I tell my kids that their lyrics are actually... I think speak more than most of the pop Christian music that you hear on mm-hmm. on uh, pop Christian state uh, stations today because they're so just hard hitting, beautiful theology yeah. woven into their lyrics. And so, anyways, Flame had a, a hit song called "Joyful no- Noise" in the Christian sector. He won a Dove Award for it. He was nominated for a Grammy for it in two thousand eight. And anyways, uh, Katy Perry, I guess, stole the themes and stole the Sampled whole. It. Sample, yeah, sampled the whole thing throughout. Uh, the song, which Katy Perry said was inspired by the 96 movie The Craft, warns, so you want to play with magic, boy, you should know what you're falling for, which is the exact same words that oh, Flame says right. in his song. And uh, Leclerc and Flame's lawsuit claims that the religious message of their song, Joyful Noise, has been irre- irreparably tarnished by its association oh, oh. with the witchcraft, I to say, paganism, she's, she's doing a song about the craft, which is a witchcraft movie. Right. It's all about witchcraft, and this song was actually written against witchcraft, Joyful Noise was. Right, but she's like only taking out the parts that... Exactly, so she's taking that song. And I don't think, <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of, I don't know Lecrae personally, but, you know, I know a lot about you know, his music and his public eye. And he's not one that would just sue somebody over something negligent. But I think that this is a, you know, this is him saying, wait a second, you can't do that. You know, it's a, um, you're taking my, the music that we wrote uh, directly against something and turning it on its head. To support it. To support support what we were trying to fight against. Exactly. And so... Anyway, so that's a that's a lawsuit. We'll we'll keep up with that and keep track. And you know, sometimes we'll have to so. talk about this lawsuit stuff yeah. uh, because you know, I mean, I was always raised with this whole anti lawsuit. You don't sue people. You don't sue people, right? Because don't do it because the Bible says, that's right. you know, you know, all, you know, someone asks for your coat, you give them your cloak also, right, or right. you know, and then it's and it grabs, uh Paul's grabbing in First uh, Corinthians about them suing one another, yeah. and so there's all this anti lawsuit type of, but it. In a society that that we live in, driven by Money, this type of stuff, and 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 we see like this is like the second time we've seen a lawsuit come up that isn't even really driven from a mon- monetary standpoint, but right. to make a message or to a purpose, right? So I don't know uh, that might be something worth talking about. But yeah, definitely. You know, I have a, a really good story about that, so we'll save that for later. But okay. Um. Anyways, so yeah, Lecrae and. <clears throat> Love Cray versus Katy Perry is the headline. So Woo. I'd love to see what happens there. But we'll what, find out. What what a uh, comparison and contrast between yeah. Lecrae and Katy Perry. So uh, you want to go work at Hobby Lobby? Man, Hobby Lobby is all over the news. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I was going to say if you go work at Hobby Lobby, it, you know you might get a good job. But if you want to take some contraception. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, criticism and uh, non-criticism, you know. Support. There's support. Yeah, it depends on who your friends are on Facebook, what your news feed looks seriously. like. Seriously. <laughs> and uh, I've got it from both sides. I don't know about you, but it's yeah, pretty interesting. Lot. 
on both sides of that yeah. too. And, and some people are like, well, you know, here's my my big thing on on the whole on that whole issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, I own a business, so it's like from a businessman's standpoint, moral issue aside, where, when did we get to the point to where you're entitled to benefits of any sort? <laughs> You're not entitled. These are things companies give people as perks. As incentives. Yeah, incentives to try and and, get, and hire them. Right. So these things are not rights. You're right. not. They don't owe you anything. And, and to have the government involved with mandating what you have to provide and what you don't, like the Obamacare thing and all this right. sort of thing, that's just craziness mm-hmm. that we've gotten to the point to where uh, the government is now determining what you as a business owner have to provide right so anyway that's my that's my biggest thing on it and my thing yeah my thing i, I mean, said if you, this if, before if, if you disagree with the benefit you get from your company right. go work for somebody else exactly this is a free country it's very easy and not only that but so if you look into it if you really study what what hobby lobby was protesting they weren't protesting all contraceptives at all right all forms of contraceptive they were protesting the ones that they believe uh, are in essence abortion uh, contraceptives, right. ones that kill a fertilized egg, which is a baby. Okay, right. um, the morning after pill would be the great example. There's like two of them out of the four or five different contraceptives they approve. Now they're not saying they don't want to give their their employees health benefits. They're not saying that. They're not saying they don't want to give their employees a chance oh. to have contraceptives. They're saying we don't want to kill babies and. Us pay, and for, pay it. for it. That's all they're saying. Which you know we're we're kind of strapped with with some of that anyway because of our taxes oh, and yeah. where our tax money goes. Right. But if you can if you can uh, make a choice about not doing it or not doing it, I mean obviously exactly if it's against their moral standing so, to do that, they should not be, have to have to pay for that. Well, you you have uh, people in the news like right now, uh, of course, our illustrious. Uh, um, ex-president's wife, uh, Hillary Clinton, um, has come out. And actually, she's running for president. I don't know if you knew that. She's already talking about running for president. But she came out with a statement that just blows me away. Let me read this to you real quick. It's just shocking. But basically, she says, uh, let's see if I find it here. Um, When asked Monday about the court's decision, uh, Clinton, who may run for Democratic presidential nomination in 2016, said... It is a disturbing trend that you see in a lot of societies that are very unstable, anti-democratic, and frankly prone to extremism, where women and women's bodies are used as the defining and underlying issue to bring together people, men, to get them to behave in ways that are uh, disadvantageous to women, but which prop up them because of their religion, their sect, their tribe, whatever. Yeah. It's a whole misdirection. (laughs) You just totally missed the point. Right, exactly. And it's just like I hear uh, like some of the people that were screaming about, well, Hobby Lobby supports China. Go look at all the made-in-China stuff that they, that's on their shelves. Right. And China does all this um, child labor stuff. And so, okay, so what they're trying to do is redirect the issue. Right. It's like, this is not Hobby Lobby as, like, is Hobby Lobby good or bad? This has nothing to do with that. Right. It has to do with the government... Telling a, a a corporation, a private sector, right, right, in the private sector, what they have to provide to their employees and what yeah. they, uh, it, 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 that's just 
It's totally misdirection of the point. Right. And what they're doing is they're saying, well, this is a restriction of individual freedom. Well, is it not restriction of individual freedom to court mandate somebody to pay for your insurance? <laughs> right. Exactly. What, what is that? And I'm going, why don't we just have our cake? We can. We can have our cake and eat it too in this sense. If you don't want to work for Hobby Lobby and you want to work quit. for a company that's going to give you, you know, quit and find and, find that. And, and, you know, I and, just went through the hiring process and it's like so many people, it's like they come in like just expecting to get a job without any real right. experience or anything like that. If you are genuinely looking for a job and you are, and you show up and make a, and to your interview, yeah. like I had out of the people that were supposed to come interview, I had two of them said they were coming, never showed. Uh, it's like, what? Yeah. And, and people say, oh, it's so hard to get a job. Well, maybe if you showed up to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, uh, I was reading job rates at the lowest it's been since 2005 right now, mm. which is, you know, before the, the whole bubble crisis, yeah. all that. Yeah. And so I'm going, you know, whenever, <clears throat> I don't know, I, I don't want to sound too harsh, but if you really want a job, you're going to find a job. That's the reality. Show up, be honest, be yourself. If I'm period. Exactly. If you do, I'm hiring you if you do that. Right. It's like the the one guy I hired was probably not as qualified as some of the others that it, that that I talked to, uh-huh. but he had personality and he was honest and when I asked him a question he didn't know, he said, "I don't know, but I'll be happy to learn." That's that, awesome. If you're out there looking for a job, do that. Exactly. And, you know, not only... Don't try and snow me exactly. with information you don't know. But And know what they're going to offer you. Right. You have a, you have a choice in this situation. You can choose right. not to or to work right. for them. So, anyways, that's what's, uh, that's what's in the news across uh, our neck of the woods. Cool. So. I don't think I've ever been as legitimately excited... About a segment. Yeah, wait for the segue. Sorry, here. sorry. All right, I'll say that again. I don't think I've ever been as legitimately excited about this this segment or this huge thing that we're going to be doing throughout uh, than I am about this one right now. Yeah, I, I just uh, me, me too. This is really cool. We're, we're going to talk about church history Woo. and um, history, and we're going to talk. We're going to inter, interweave. Uh, the history of the Bible into that because we can kill two birds with one stone. Right. And so... And we here st- at Theonauts, we like to kill birds. So. Yes, like crazy, man. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Sorry, I what to interject that. <laughs> so, so um, one of the things that, that I was thinking about when we were doing this was we said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, we'll make this episode first thousand years since Christ. Right. Okay, because church history. There's no way. No. Okay, guys, we're not going to get through. We started reading of going. There is way too much to cover. Yeah. And so here's what we are planning on doing. We're going to see how far we can get. And, and you know, with us, we're going to be chatting and goofing about some of this stuff. So um, it, we'll see how far we get. And what we'll do is we'll make this a continuing thing. So, you know, in a few weeks, we'll have part two or whatever. And we'll just off and on intersperse these episodes and in, into the mix uh, so that we can give you a break from it because it's going to be, you know, kind of uh, extensive. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so what we decided to do about this church history thing, it all stems around the fact that most, most Christians that I talk to have very limited view of history. Yeah. 
they have assumptions that have been made or passed down through the generations that things that aren't true right. about about the history of Christianity. Uh, the church that you attend right now has not survived for 2,000 years. It's not the way it was right. 2,000 exactly. years ago. Trust me on this. Wait, they didn't sit in pews? <laughs> no, they did not sit in pews. They didn't have a piano and an organ. And they didn't have Sometimes a, a praise band. And they didn't have a pulpit. Oh, <laughs> A sacred desk? They didn't have a sacred so, desk. So, so, the, so the, things are just different now. Yeah. And, and, well, yeah. and we owe a lot of that to some of the major changes that happened, you know, around 1000 AD. That's but right. before we get up to all that, what we want to do is talk about, okay, where did, where did it begin? What f- helped formulate or, f- or construct right. the system that the systems that we have now, you know, we've been talking about unity a lot, and part of of I, I believe a step in unity is to understanding where the differences came from. Right, and and uh, this stuff is well documented. Oh yeah, all you got to do is go look for it. It's it is everywhere out there. There is some contradicting information, but on the whole, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Just know your source and, and where you're coming from. That's right. So here we go. We're going to start off. We're going to begin in the first century. Exactly. So the time of Christ on. Right. And so take it away, Jeremiah. What do you got? So church history starts with a dude. All right. This dude's name is Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully man. In order to understand him, you can just simply read your Gospels, right? right? right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that simple statement that you made is a big part of all this division, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> fully God, fully man. Well, we're going to... Huge. That is going to come up a lot exactly. in what we discuss here. Well, uh, so basically, uh, Jesus taught a new message, a new covenant. Um, he, he had followers, disciples, uh, 12 to be specific, but he had outwards up to about 500 followers, faithful disciples, okay? And um, his message was mainly about the kingdom of heaven. Um, Things that you need to understand during the time of Jesus, whenever he walked, Palestine um, was uh, under Roman control. In other words, Rome owned the known world. They were were the, uh, the authoritative government. Right. Underneath them in Palestine was the the Israel government, okay? And the Israel government was under control of the San by the Sanhedrin. It was a theocracy under control of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were mostly made up of one sect of Jews called the Sadducees. Okay. Now there were some uh, Pharisees that That's settled so on it, sad, you see. but they were so sad. You see, that's right. <laughs> and they were sad. You see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Now, this is what you have to understand about the Jews. We really need to get this in order to really understand what happened with the church. Okay, mm-hmm. um, the Jews were divided up into several different sects. Mm-hmm. They were divided up in the Pharisees, the Sadducees. There were zealots. The Essenes. The Essenes, that's right. So there were like five or so different sects of Jews, and you would fit along this category. It's kind of like denominations of right, Christianity. Right. Okay. Um, and all this dates uh, prior to Jesus. This is, goes all the way back to the Hasmonean time frame between the Testaments. Exactly. Um, one of those kind of offshoots was John's ministry, the, 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 uh, John the Baptist. Yeah. Okay. And John the Baptist uh, was proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, therefore repent. Okay. That was his message. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus took that 
message, but he was the fulfillment. And John actually points to him saying that he's a fulfillment. Behold, the, Behold the, the lamb that, that was slain. Exactly, that will take away the sins of the world, right. okay? So Jesus begins his ministry basically through the offshoot of John's little section, sec, section of Judaism. Okay. Does that make sense? So you have Jesus uh, proclaiming his kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom, and you are born in the spiritual kingdom through blood and water. In other words, through baptism and believing in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's how you, you, you are into the kingdom of heaven. Okay? okay? That was what he was teaching. Of course, you know what happened to him. And they, the Jews were accepting baptism, by the way. They, they, that's right. Because that's a Jewish practice. It goes exactly. back to how, how proselytes... Uh, Gentile converts became Jews, Jews. was through a, a spiritual cleansing with water, right? Submersion called baptism. baptism. So. Exactly. Uh, Jesus used that as a symbol, not of to convert to Judaism, but to convert to the way, right? Okay, right. which was viewed early on. Now I'm getting ahead of myself, but basically, what happens? Jesus dies. Uh, buries, resurrects in three days. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that out of the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, let's get that out of the way. So not that it's important it. or anything. It's extremely important. So Jesus, <laughs> Jesus does this, and when he does this, he creates, this is the foundation of the church, okay? Those that believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are ushered into a new spiritual kingdom called the kingdom of heaven, and I like to call it the church, Okay, um, the church ecclesia. Let's talk about that yeah. name real quick. Go ahead, David. Tell okay. us about yeah, but we, well, we touched on it before, but, right? But uh, but ecclesia means assembly. It, it doesn't necessarily mean a governing body exactly. of any sort. So um, the word has been adopted mainly by what we now know as the Catholic Church to mean a governing body. That's right. Uh, and the word church itself is not even historically Christian. It's historically um, Druish. So right. it, it means circle because that's how the Druids worshipped. And right. whenever paganism was adopted into Christianity in many forms, the word church came along with it. So that's right. Uh, even though your Bible says church, we'll get to that later, it's ecclesia or assembly. Assembly. And um, assembly... Kingdom of Heaven, these are these are all synonyms. Another one called out, called out yeah. ones, right. or chosen ones. Uh, another word that we like to use, um, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Christians. Okay, mm-hmm. um, which that wasn't used till later. But the people who were there in Jerusalem right after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus called themselves followers of the Way. Right. Okay. That was what. That's what they called themselves. Now, here's a shocker that Off many of Jesus' statement in John 14: exactly, "I am the way, way the, the truth, truth, and the life." life. Exactly. Here's here's a shocking statement that many people might not understand if they've never studied their church history. As soon as Peter, uh, which who became kind of like the leader, the bishop of this new movement, bishop, elder, pastor of the church in presbyter, Jerusalem, presbyter. Elder. He was the he was the leader of the new movement. Um, they didn't separate themselves from the Jews. They were still considered Jews. Right. They were just Jewish followers of Christ. The way. Right. That's right. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. 
They were okay. meeting in synagogues. They were still. They, they were still meeting with the assembly. Actually, uh, the Sanhedrin considered them as Jews. Just messed up another sect of Jews. Okay, so here comes a new sect of Judaism, like the like the Sadducees, like the Pharisees, like the Essene. Uh, I can't ever say that word right. Um, this <laughs> is another enough. sect of Jews, and mm-hmm. we're going to call them followers of the Way. Okay. So they're meeting in the synagogue. You know, the Sanhedrin didn't like them very well, but they weren't persecuting them yet. They were like, all right, we'll tolerate you because you're still doing the sacrifices. You're still trying to follow the law. You're meeting in the synagogue. You're doing all that stuff. And this is all during the Acts time frame. Exactly. Early Acts Acts. time frame. That's right. Pentecost happens. Um, And when Pentecost happens, uh, basically it it happens uh, during the... uh, um, What's the feast? I'm sorry. It's the Feast of Pentecost. The Yeah, the Feast of Pentecost. <laughs> That's why they call yeah. it Pentecost. I was drawing a way blank there. <laughs> I have a lot to talk about. So, anyways, Pentecost well, Tabernacles. That's Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles. Um, so, in, during Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on the followers of the way. Um, and they all go into the synagogue and, and they're, they're, uh, they're talking in foreign languages and they're performing signs and wonders and Peter stands up and gives his address about Jesus okay this is the first time that one of them is arrested Peter's arrested for this okay but they have no charges to hold him on so they set him free and they're like dude just chill out with the whole Jesus talk we're done with that we (laughs) killed him it's over with and and uh Peter's very adamant that Jesus has rose again from the dead and his followers are extremely adamant. They've seen him with their own eyes multiple times, okay? So they're adamant about that. But they're still meeting in the synagogue. They're still following the Jewish practices. They're still doing the Jewish thing. Uh, it's kind of like an offshoot. And let me remind you of a passage that Jesus talks about, uh, that Jesus Jesus says. He says, can you put new wine skin?" Or new, new wine, wine in old wine skin. No. no. Because when you put new wine in old wine skin, what happens? It expands and bursts. Expands and bursts. You have to put new wine in new wine skin. This is the fulfillment of what he's talking about. Okay? okay. This is putting the new wine in new wine skins. Right now we're new wine in old wine skins. And what's gonna happen is it's gonna burst. It's gonna burst. And the main reason why is an understanding of the law. That is the number one reason why uh, the Christians separated, or the followers of the way, not called Christians yet, separated from uh, the the Jewish sects, okay? Mm-hmm. Something uh, interesting happens. The Hellenistic Jews come into play here, okay? Around 36 AD, okay? Um, so this is shortly after Jesus' death? Shortly story. after Jesus' death, that's right. Um, the Hellenistic Jews come in, and it's really interesting. They didn't know what to do with these these Hellenistic Jews because they were Gentiles. They were reading from the Septuagint, which was the Greek Old Testament. Right, and the Jews did not like the Septuagint. They hated well, it. Well, many of them used it, but much later it was renounced. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, they considered it as... It's kind of like just beneath them, okay? Right. And so they were considering these Hellenistic Jews beneath them. They were restricting them in a lot of ways. But the people who were doing the followers of the way were accepting them lovingly, mm. okay? So it was causing a rift between uh, the, the followers of the way and the rest of the Jews in, that, in the section of Jerusalem. And one of the main ones was this dude named Stephen, 
okay? <laughs> Stephen out and out boldly proclaimed that the law was basically a tutor under grace, okay? Mm-hmm. He had a whole different view of the law. You, you, you didn't have to keep the law anymore because Jesus was the fulfillment. Right. That you receive salvation through uh, the baptism of blood and water. You you were ushered in the spiritual kingdom, and anybody could do it, okay? What did they do with Stephen in 36 AD? They stoned him to death. Right. This was considered blasphemy. In Acts 7. Okay, in Acts chapter 7, that's right. By the way, who's standing there holding the coats? Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. Saul, Apollos of Tarsus, that's right. And uh, it's really interesting to me that this guy hears Stephen's sermon about the law. (laughs) Right? Yeah, and he writes the Galatian letter later. <laughs> exactly, which is the exact same thing that right, Stephen was saying. Right, right. So anyways, that happens. It causes a rift. That's the first mention of persecution. Now, people start gathering up these people in the way. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna go a little bit further here because we need to get over. Uh, they're first called Christians uh, in... Um, Antioch, Syria. That's right, Antioch, Syria. Uh, so, and it's originally a derogatory term, Christians, oh, those Christians, Christ. those Christ followers. followers. And, uh, but what happens <laughs> is they take it on to mean new things. All right, so Paul has his conversion, begins his ministry, uh, and you can read this all in Acts, begins his ministry, uh, his missionary journeys. All throughout the world. All throughout the world. This is when they start inviting in uh, Gentiles to be followers of the way, okay, Mm -hmm. or Christians, okay? So it takes on a whole new form after this. Um, One of the things that helped out really well was there were a lot of people, uh, Judaism was spread out throughout the world. There were synagogues throughout the world. Uh, Judaism was a a big religion, okay? Mm -hmm. And there were Gentiles, non-Jews, who liked Judaism, but would not convert to Judaism for one simple reason circumcision they did not want to get circumcised (laughs) like i ain't doing that exactly to them it was considered (laughs) a derogatory act it was it was kind of disgusting and uh, painful painful so they didn't they didn't (laughs) want to do it so one of this is there was no better time no more fertile ground than this time period to, to for for the christian church to grow what happened a guy comes, he's a, he's a Jew who's a follower of the way, and he tells you, listen, you don't have to get circumcised. It's not about circumcision. It's actually circumcision of the heart. You need to trust, believe in Jesus, and follow uh, and, and be baptized. Yeah, follow after his death, burial, and resurrection. Exactly. That's, that is the gospel. Okay. Right. And, and then you'll be ushered into the spiritual kingdom. Well, you mean I don't have to be circumcised in order to be a, a, a follower of, of God? Awesome. I'm going to do that. So right. that's exactly what happened. It actually, Christianity exploded during this time. It wasn't just a small, I mean, it, it ignited a fire, okay? And, and uh, by, by around 70 AD, it was, it was huge. Um, the, okay, so now we're getting up to the point to where it's the end of your New Testament. Right. There's, um, it's also, uh, we want to touch a little bit about persecution. So we're pretty much the end of the New Testament. Okay. Persecution happens under Nero, Nero is the yes. big, big first, I mean, persecutor, okay? Mm-hmm. He blames the Christians for a lot of things, uh, which spurns on this whole persecution. 
there were several different reasons why the Christians were persecuted. One was they were separatists in a lot of ways. They separated out from other people. um, And so people didn't really know what was happening in their meetings. Actually, there are some documents that people thought they were having orgies. Wow. People thought they were doing, you know, like sacrificial. Why would Roman, Rome's care about that, though? I exactly. Mean, they, they, they were doing the same thing. But the Jews would. Right. Because they were calling themselves Jews. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. And they were they were doing these separatist practices. Another thing that contributed to their persecution, and this is when uh, the Jews out and out uh, said, you're no, no part of us. Uh, 70 A.D., uh, is the destruction of the temple. Okay. Yeah. This is when uh Ves Ves say his name, Vespasian. Can I mm-hmm. say is that right? <laughs> Vespasian, the emperor, comes and crushes the Jewish revolt. Okay. Um what happens during this time? The Jews well, hold... Titus Adronicus, that's the whole time frame for him. Exactly. Was... Titus Adronicus. Yeah. Um and what's the name of the fort uh you were talking about? Oh Masada. Yeah. Yeah that's that this is also the time of Masada. Whenever the Jews hold up in the fort in Masada, yeah, they, and they all killed killed themselves, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they they were well. There was a like there was not just Christians. There was Jewish revolt against Rome. Right, that and that's what happening. I'm talking about is okay. the Jewish revolt because the Christians actually left early. Um, and I'll read it read it here. This is a this is taken straight out of Bruce Shelley's book Christian History in Plain Language amazing book go get it if you really want to study history because this i'm telling you it's almost like you're there Mm. whenever you read so i'm going to read this really interesting little thing that kind of shocked shocked me and i didn't know um at the start of the revolt the leaders of the jerusalem church were advised in a vision to flee the city Mm. pious jews considered the christian flight an act of treason Okay, and it sealed the fate of the church in the Jewish world. With the decision to bar Christian uh, Jews from synagogue ch- services, some years later, the break was co- complete. Any Jew who wished to remain faithful to his religion could not also be a Christian. So it's right after the Jewish revolt in 70 AD that Christians are considered not Jewish. This was the break. Right. They stopped meeting in synagogues. They couldn't meet in synagogues. You weren't allowed to be a Christian and a Jew anymore. So they had their definitive. Yeah, birth. in fact, they have a saying now. Whenever, like, as a Jew, like even in modern days, as a as a Jew, if you are uh, baptized, the minute you become baptized into a, a Christian church, they say uh, you have been made a Gentile, and that's a derogatory thing. Right. So, so, yeah, they consider it a complete severance right. from Judaism. So all those things, the contributing factors, uh, you know, basically them being being keeping themselves separated or holy, mm-hmm. where we get that word, mm-hmm. uh, them, them being uh, uh, secretive and then them having a new idea of what the law is. And then the main thing is them believing Jesus is Messiah, separated them from the Jews, cut them off. So this is where they actually become a new religion, okay? right, right? Christianity. Um, by the way, Paul had died some uh, years earlier before the 7080 destruction. Right. Um, Nero killed Paul and Peter under his, his reign. And so uh, the church, by the way, just pretty much explodes. Uh, from 70 AD, 
through 312 AD, uh, the Catholics consider this the age of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, and actually, that that we'll word, expand on that exactly. Um, but Christianity just pretty much goes throughout the world at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, first Christian spirit, uh, first century Christianity was a spiritual explosion ignited by the event, the presence of Jesus Christ. The church hurtled to, into all directions, geographically as well as socially. The second and third centuries provided the channel channel for this power. So, uh, basically. Um, it spread through all all the known earth. Uh, this is when you first you had your uh, your uh, early church fathers mm-hmm. um, who were bishops um, throughout all the world. You had Polycarp, um, Clement, Ignatius, uh, Barnabas, Hermas, um, Origen, uh, Cyprian, Decius, and all of these guys have written. And there's tons of their writings. Oh, that's right. You can check out tons of their writings. And this is something that's really interesting to me today. We don't read the early church fathers. But back then, it was considered crazy not to read the early church fathers. Instead, we just stick to our Bible, which the Bible's important. Well, the Bible is, you know, the authority. Exactly. But let's let's not lose sight that, that... what these men wrote in history has a big, um, has a big impact right. on how they were living. And so, I mean, we can see through their writings what they were doing. It doesn't mean that everything they wrote was divinely inspired and must be treated as law. In fact, a big chunk of it, because by this time legalism had really gotten a hold. Oh yeah. Of it. So there was a lots of crazy stuff in in those writings too. They talk about how you could not sing with melody. It had to be, I mean, you had, it had to be chanting. Right. Like you could not sing harmony. It had to all be unison and it had to all chant. And they write about this right. stuff. And, and they, they felt it was pagan to add a melody into your so, song. So you guys who say that, you know, you can only sing hymns, <laughs> go back because you're yeah, erring brethren. <laughs> just, just be careful. Yeah. Because these other guys say, oh no, it's pagan. Well, they even say that it was improper to laugh. Right. We would be in in a lot of trouble. Oh, definitely. (laughs) So uh, the strongest areas at this time of the explosion were Syria, Asia Minor, North Africa, and Egypt. A few other noteworthy cities were Rome. It was kind of off by itself, Mm -hmm. which was a big uh, place for Christians and lions. Um, (laughs) But at this point, uh, village people were... uh, People in most areas were largely untouched. The village so, people. The village people. They were at the YMCA. That's right. Uh, I talk a little bit about, uh, go back to um, persecution, because between, really between 200 AD and 300 AD was the heaviest persecution going on. This was when Rome was persecuting uh, Christians. The Jews were persecuting Christians. Basically everybody, if, yeah. if you were... It was not cool this time. Exactly, to, to be, be a Christian. Christian. Yet it was the biggest... Uh, growth period, growth period right. of all that history. should give us that should send us a message man because it's like if you examine history the church always grew when it was most oppressed right and it always shrank it, even if it was in numbers big it shrank spiritually whenever there was any peace time exactly and yeah. i think that we're experiencing that we're in this little valley where we're not really being persecuted being persecuted here in this country <laughs> right and as a result, I think there is a lull in spirituality 
even though there's lots of churches and That's there's right. lots of attendees and there's lots. Of, but I think the spirituality of of the culture is right rock bottom. I'll read this little uh, little uh, blurb about Polycarp. Okay, um, yeah, just a little cool thing. And uh, this doesn't mention the the cool thing, but I, I like what it says anyways. Um, it's the beginning of chapter four of his book. Uh, church history in the popular mind the early church was above all else a noble army of martyrs in many ways it was and none uh in many ways it was and none was more noble than polycarp the aged bishop aged bishop of uh smart i can't ever say that um, smarna smyrna 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 that s place in western asia uh the authorities brought the highly respected pastor into the crowded uh, arena, prepared to shove him to the lions, but only reluctantly. They much preferred a denial of the charge against him. He was a Christian. Simply swear by Caesar, the governor pled. I am a Christian, said Polycarp. If you want to know what that is, set a day and listen. <laughs> Persuade the people, answered the governor. Polycarp said, I would explain it to you, but not to them. Then I'll throw you to the beasts. Bring on your beasts, said Polycarp. If you scorn the beast, I'll have you burned. You try to frighten me with a fire that burns for an hour, and you forget the fire of hell that never goes out. (laughs) The governor called on the people. Polycarp says he's a Christian. Then the mob let loose. This is the teacher of Asia, they shouted, the father of the Christians, the destroyer of our gods. So Polycarp, praying that his death would be an acceptable sacrifice, was burned at the stake. And what they don't tell you, which is really interesting, Justin Martyr says, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs. That's right. Fox's Book of Martyrs, not yeah. Justin Martyrs. Um, Fox's Book of Martyrs says that, I guess, Polycarp didn't burn, so they had to stab him. Right, <laughs> right. right. The, the fire didn't touch him or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Which is really cool. Um, he says, the scene is real. It did happen. The reality is, Christians were being... Uh, murdered a huge number. Uh, Nero would take Christians and light them on fire to uh, to to be a light at his, dip them in wax and light them on fire to be a light at his garden parties. Right. Um, it was it was not a fun thing to be no, caught. Craziness going on. Exactly. Yeah. As a Christian, but but the, but the flip side of that is uh, it was impressing people because yeah. the arenas were there for entertainment the, the all the public would come in to watch the 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 mayhem right. that ensues when you throw men into a, a an arena with a bunch of wild animals right but what was happening was these these people instead of running around crazy running for their lives right. were instead huddling up together and singing praises and singing hymns and thanking god for their sacrifice while the lions just chewed them up as they were being completely uh you know defenseless or exactly. not fighting and the people in the audience would then cry right because they would be on the side of the people they were like and they were so moved oh, by yeah. this that, that conversions would happen right like from the crowd right <laughs> it's, a, it's like awesome. i don't know what they've got but i want some of it and there were three main reasons why the persecution happened uh, one of them we we haven't mentioned yet is that uh rome was Rome was kind of wishy-washy with their religious policy. They didn't really, they didn't really care. They didn't really care about religion um, as far as long as you kept it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, for example, they they allowed the Jews to practice in them themselves because they were separatists. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, we'll uh, 
um, we'll allow the juice to do whatever they want because they believe they're better than everybody else and they'll just, you know, they'll practice their own religion. They're not trying to convert anybody. But these Christians, all they were doing was going around and telling people about Jesus. Right. And the, Preaching and Yeah, some people were like, they're trying to convert all of Rome to this new religion. Well, and this, it, was, it seemed to be a threat against the deity of Caesar. Caesar. That was so. that was the, the second, actually, the main reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a saying in, in Rome at this time, Caesar is Lord. Now, we've heard that saying as Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. In, in fact, uh, Caesar had a commemorative day in December to commemorate his birth. Right? What do we have? We have a commemorative day in December to commemorate Jesus' birth. Basically, what we were doing was we were taking Jesus and saying, no, Caesar's nothing. Jesus really is God's son. And people would say that Caesar is God's only son. Right. Okay? And so um, this was direct uh, violation of their their leader. Exactly. And so they didn't like that. They didn't take that very well. Um, And the Jews, of course, just didn't like him because they were teaching. Um, the law wrongly, they believed. They were teaching uh, that the Messiah was Jesus um, and that he was a suffering servant. Right. And they hated that, so they would persecute. So those are the three main reasons. So by the time we get to 300 AD, Christianity is, is wide-held, um, but there are many different... Well, at, at the time of 300, there was like 10% of the Roman population, right, was Christian. Christian, so they were they had a, a, a big problem, right, a <laughs> huge foothold, and uh, not only that though there were there were a bunch of different uh, beliefs among the Christians. So, oh yeah, and well, um, as we jump into the this is now the fourth century we're talking right. about three three hundred AD. Um, let's let's. Let's look, examine in for a second the the politics of Rome. Uh, by this time, the the Caesar was Diocletian, right? So Diocletian oh, yeah. was one of the huge persecutors of the Christian faith, also. Right. So uh, following in the steps of Nero, he was largely responsible for a lot of persecution that was happening. Yeah. One of the things that Diocletian did was he divided the kingdom into four major areas, and it became a tetrarch. Right. So there was so there were four Caesars, well, two Augusti and two Caesars. So Augustus is also a a proper name, name slash yeah. ruler, just like Caesar is. Right. And so you, you had Eastern Rome and Western Rome. It had gotten so big that Diocletian thought it would be wiser to put to have like four people ruling it instead of just one guy. Right. So he set up this tetrarchy with. Himself, uh, Maximian, uh, Galerius, and Constantius. These were the four rulers. Two of those were Caesars. Two of them were Augustus. And uh, but this didn't last too long. Uh, shortly after that that time frame, um, uh, Galerius gave way to Constantine the first. Yeah. And there was also all this stuff going on with usurpers. <laughs> declaring themselves Caesar, and it was just a big mess right. until Constantine was like, enough, I'm the Caesar. Exactly. And so, once again, it became 
just one guy over Under Rome. Yeah, over now, the Rome. cool thing about Constantine, uh, cool or not cool, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but Constantine was a, a general fighting, right? right? And there's this, there's this glorified story that happens um, in 312. Yeah, it's I the, love this It's story. the Battle of the Melvian, Melvian Bridge mm-hmm. where um, he is in a fight against the enemies of Rome and he's suffering a loss at this time. And he looks up into heaven and he sees the sun rays make this cross in yeah, the sky. He spells cross. out in Latin, in, 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 Latin um, in this name proceed or in this name conquer. And so he declares, okay, we're going to put the Christian symbol, which of that day, the Chiro, was right. more prominent than the cross. So they put the Chiro on their shield which is an amalgamation of Greek letters. Right. So they put this on their shield, and they won the battle. And so Constantine converts to Christianity. <laughs> he's like... That, that's it? Yes, this is it. <laughs> and so, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> right. Now, Galerius was the guy in between. Um, he was one of the four. Yeah. You know, he was the one that, 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 uh, that uh, preceded Constantine. Galerius in his province had actually made it okay to be a Christian. So Constantine was coming from this area where it was okay right. to go ahead and be Christian. Uh, but now, oh, it was on. And right. now I'm Caesar. And so... Uh, it he, is going to be Christian. Yeah, he yeah. ran with that and uh, did more than just legalize it. He made it like, I want to champion this. This is the official religion. Yeah, I want to I, I want to be involved. Mm-hmm. I want to, to get, meet with your bishops and I want to... To, um, to, to, to deal with this. Um, I've got a little writing here. It says, this is under the influence of Constantine the First, the Christian movement gradually underwent its major transformation from a previously underground and even criminal movement into an officially sanctioned religion of first rank with the Roman Empire. And Constantine the First chose to take a lead role in much of this transformation. Yeah. So um, in... 330, uh, he established Constantinople, which that was Byzantine, was the, or Byzantium, was the name of the town in, in, uh, I believe it's Turkey. And he renames it, or he does, he renames it, uh, I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, he renames it something else, but (laughs) everyone starts calling it Constantinople because he takes control of it and and makes it the, the seat of uh, the empire at the time. So you have all this stuff that's happening, and now Christianity is changing because it's no longer... You already had this thing happening where uh, the the New Testament talks about bishops in reference to the word presbyter, bishop, elder. These are all interchangeable. They they all have the same Greek under episkopos. It, it also, it means so they all mean yeah, elder, right? Or pastor, right? An elder of the church, right? Uh, but what they had done is is you had these bishops in each church. Well, then as it became part of Rome, as it became more part of the Roman structure, the Roman was structured where there was there was uh, governors over provinces, right? And so they were like, well, wherever we have a co- governor, we need to have a bishop. So they would set like one bishop above multiple churches, 
which also now we're starting to step out right, of yeah. the pattern that we were given in the New Testament into something that's a little bit larger. Exactly. And we'll see that this actually eventually turns into um, Roman Catholicism. In, in, into uh, Roman Catholicism. Now, the Catholics will call this the the error, error of, of, of Catholicism, but the word Catholic means. Universal. Universal. So there's nothing wrong with the actual word Catholic. In fact, it was a second century term. It was originally used, and I read who who used it. I forgot already. Um, in around 200 A.D. Um, and that there's nothing wrong with the actual term. Uh, it it just meant um, it was who was it? Ignatius. Ignatius mm. Bishop of Antioch was the first one who used was the, the first one who used Catholic, and when he said Catholic, he didn't what mean, he meant yeah, was he, universal. He, he didn't mean what, what you think of when you hear the word Catholic today, exactly. But the word Catholic then meant universal, little C Catholic. Right. <laughs> so you got exactly. little C, big C, right. little C Catholic just meant universal. Right. And so uh, there was this the view of this international universal church exactly and uh but that didn't last long because theologians had all these battles that started happening and it right. largely fell into the area of christology like we, we talked a little bit about christology before but we didn't delve into the nature of christ and that's what this was mostly about right was dealing with is he man or is he well, god exactly there was a big uh big sect going around during the time big big uh, group of people who called themselves gnostics right okay and that was one of the biggest uh biggest problems actually facing the early church it was the first great heresy i believe is what they they call yeah it. a lot of them call that it's i think that's a a, a poor choice because heresy as we talked about before that's doesn't right. mean doesn't. a false doctrine it means a division right you know, we talked about a while ago. You were saying Pharisees and Sadducees. Not those are heresies. heresies exactly. So, um, so, so yeah, you had Gnostics and you had the Gnosticism happening, and that lasted. That was going on during. This, oh yeah, this From seventy A.D. It lasted way early. Yeah, um, and it, and it goes all the way up through this time frame. Right. In fact, John uh, first first John is all about that. Right. The, the book of first. But John. you have a lot of things happening in Christian pockets now that were holding to some of the same type of views that the Gnostics had. Yeah. Uh, Athanasius uh, was, was one that was saying uh, Jesus was fully God. Mm-hmm. And, and then you had uh, um, this uh, Arius saying, no, he was completely man. Mm-hmm. And so you had all these, these people bickering and uh, debates began to arise. And here's, right. here's Constantine saying, wait a second, you know, it, it's my job to try and keep the peace. I'm not going to try and run it. You bishops can run it. Right. But I want to make sure that the doctrine of God is correct. Right. So let's have us a council. Yeah. And so um, that's one big thing that starts in the third century or um, in the fourth century is the, council. the councils. There are seven major what they call ecumenical councils. Now, ecumenical simply means non-denominational more or less it just means the coming together of every idea and all all the minds coming together uh but at this time it was pretty much universal anyway so all these minds came together and they had this first council of nicaea which we talked a little bit about in a previous episode but the the main point 
uh, as we mentioned before, was to determine whether Christ was fully God, fully man, and, and that sort of thing. And so uh, this, this happened in uh, 325. Wait, time out. So it wasn't like Dan Brown said, <laughs> where they met together and devised the Bible. <laughs> No, no, that was not the point at all. So if you're thinking that the point of the Nicene Council was to to create our Bible, then uh, that's a total misunderstanding. The purpose of the council was to resolve disagreements in the Church of Alexandria over the nature of Jesus in relationship to his father. In particular, whether Jesus was of the same substance as God, the father, or merely a similar substance. And the council decided against the Arians overwhelmingly who, th- who thought that he was of a different substance completely, right. that he was just completely man. Yeah. Okay. They, this was an overwhelming, there was uh, an estimated 250 to 300 attendees there. All but two of them voted against Arius. Yeah. Okay. So you would think this would be the end of the deal. No. No. This problem, this <laughs> argument st- keeps going because then it becomes, okay, well, what about Trinity? Right. Are they one person, three people? What's going on? Yeah. And so there was all this argument about that that still happened. You had the first council in Constantinople, which was the second ecumenical council, council. that happened. And, and once again, uh, here you've got Constantine kind of right. running the, <laughs> the show. Um, but there was this teaching that, uh, that there was no human mind or soul in Jesus. Hmm. And it was granted... Um, uh, it also granted Constantinople honorary precedence over all the churches except for Rome. Okay, so this is what came out of the second ecumenical thing. It was like, okay. We're going to rank the churches. It's like, okay, we've decided, <laughs> we've decided what Christ is, and now we're going to say, because we're making this decision here, and we're the ones who have, who have taken it upon ourselves to call the shots. So... We got control. Our decision is final. Final. Yep. If you're out there in Alexandria or wherever, and you got a differing idea, tough. <laughs> Constantinople right. rules. That's right. Okay. Well, but they had this thing going on in Rome too. So, like, well, well, except for Rome, we'll yeah. let we'll we'll let Rome be cool too. Yeah. And so you got all this that, that's going on. This is also during this time frame is when uh, monasticism begins. So, Monasticism. Yeah. So, so you get this. You get these monasteries. You get monks. All this stuff started happening, and this is even before the real structure of the Catholic Church right. began. And and what drew that is once once again we've gotten into a very legalistic time frame when people are thinking about oh I've got to be holy I got to be righteous I got to be completely pure I can't have any yeah. sin in my life I can't and and so, what so I'm going to go live and be a monk exactly there's no other let's way. go to the desert. Right. And strip ourselves of all our worldly possessions, and no women. Just you know, yeah. we're just going to go be completely uh, chaste and yeah. holy. And um, so that's how this whole monk thing right. started with with this idea that you could somehow obtain this perfection on earth if you right. just denied yourself uh, all, Which, all kinds of stuff. I mean, they're missing. Let's go back to Stephen. They're missing the st- reason Stephen was even martyred. They're is- missing the, right. the whole book of Galatians. They're just not getting. Hmm. Yeah, and during this time frame, though, you did have a solidification of the New Testament. Right. Because um, it began to be uh, very commonly used uh, 
this, uh, the, the 27 books that are now part of what we call the New Testament was uh, in 367 in a letter by Athanasius, who was one of the guys in the Nicene Council. Mm-hmm. But remember, this is, much, this is a few years later, 367. He wrote a, a letter approving uh, these 27 books as, right. as being, and this was upheld by much later by the Council of Trent, uh, or uh, um, that that happened years later, like 1500s. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but anyway, uh, by 313 uh, is whenever you started seeing this break of organizational barriers with bishops, where right. bishops were taking over the lead in uh, certain areas. Um, but uh, tensions continued to build. It didn't fix anything. It just made matters worse. People started taking sides. Right. People started uh, leaving the church and becoming their own thing. You had a group of people that that historically was was founded by Andrew up around what we call Russia now, huh. and they were slow followers. They didn't they didn't like what Rome was doing all the time, and so they were kind of pulling away. Right. And so you had all these what they would refer to themselves as different. Um, Orthodox, you know, so you have the Eastern Orthodox and the Western Orthodox, and and they all held a certain certain ideas. Orthodoxy, right? <laughs> so they all they were all hung up on Orthodoxy, That's but it was right. all different, right? And so everyone was was fighting. Um, it seems like um, Christ's commandment to love others as he loved as he loved seemed to have lost in the intellectual abstractions of the time. It almost seems like. If I can put this in an overarching big picture, it almost seems as if Christianity grows and is blessed and and is is uh, is really working to love God and love others. The kingdom of heaven is doing that whenever it's persecuted. But the minute that it becomes the legal. national religion and legal, <laughs> right. it just has all these splintered problems. Everyone starts fighting over technicalities exactly. and getting crazy about it. And uh, so it, it just like, it, you know, just like I just said, the commandments of love just hit the back burner. Yeah. It, it was, it all became about being intellectual and who had the right orthodox right. and who had it all straight. Uh, theology was also used as a weapon against uh, opponents. Like if you, like if you were a bishop who didn't believe what I believed, you know, it, it was the Bible was a weapon or theology was a weapon to be used since being branded a heretic was the only sure way for a bishop to be removed by other bishops. Hmm. So the only way you could get rid of someone you disliked to call him a heretic. was to call him a heretic. And so that continued to evolve. And that's why that term heretic, you know, jumped out there. Right. But we're kind of running short on time, but I want to finish up the, at least the, the fourth century here. Right. Because uh, there's another important thing that happens in the fourth century. You have... Um, what will come back to bite um, the world um, was the Arabs. So you have a bunch of things happening over in Persia. Now, at the time, Constantine thought, okay, the world's coming around to this Christian stuff, and I like it. And then he's, he's, he... I like it a lot. He, he, in fact, he was cool with a lot of the pagan practices. He wouldn't, he would not tell everybody stop doing pagan stuff. Yeah. But... He was promoting them all. And that's kind of why you have so much pagan ritual and pagan things that that worked its way into Christianity was this merging of the two. But he wrote a letter to his Persian friend, 
that uh, these were the enemies of Rome. These were the people that they haven't yet been able to, to conquer. And Con- Constantine meant it as a friendly gesture because Christianity is right. And, and I see that there are some Christians over there in Persia. Good job, yeah. Shah. <laughs> so he writes this letter wow. in 315. He writes a letter to the uh, to the Persian uh, uh, enemy over there, uh, Shapur II, and it probably triggered the beginnings of an ominous change in the Persian attitude toward Christians because there were per- there were Christians there. And he writes this this message and he says, "I rejoice to hear that the fairest province of Persia are adorned with." Christian, <laughs> since you are so powerful and pious, I commend them to your care and leave them in your protection. This made the Shah mad. <laughs> so he, he, he lost it. So uh, his response was to order a double taxation on Christians and to hold the, the local bishop responsible for collecting it. Whenever the bishop uh, revolted against this and had an issue with it, He's like, fine. He gathered up all the Christian leaders, cut off their heads in front of him, right. and then killed him. Yeah. And much later, this became a holy war. That's right. A jihad. This, this started a huge, huge backlash of what we now know are the Crusades, right? Mm-hmm. And all that. That's, that's where it started. And, and there was just... Um, this caused a huge uh, backlash, and, and you know, for these reasons of of uh, the political divisions that were happening and stuff, um, later centuries Christianity suffered an almost total eclipse in Asia yeah. until the modern period. So, like all these these far eastern countries, where they started, there started to be this this preaching of Christ in that area, but when all this started, started happening with the Middle East. Bam, that just shut the door Close it, yeah. on, on the Asian countries. So that's the first 300 years. <laughs> and there's, now we were foolish enough to think we were going to make it oh, the first century. Oh, I thought we were going to get a thousand oh, in, yeah. but no way. So tune in next time on part two. Uh, well, we're not going to do it next week. We'll do something else next week. But, um, but when we come back to this on part two, we'll start there in the fifth century. There's some... Major things that happened there as well as far as things that helped develop the Bible and, uh, as we know it and that helped, um, that helped develop Christianity as it, as it began to evolve. I think we're already seeing by this time frame that the church is not the same right. as it was in Acts 2. Exactly. It is it, it, it migrated so, so far. quickly, so quickly, so far. Well, and you can see that in, even in the New Testament, Paul is having to deal with so many problems mm-hmm. coming up, and it's like it it, it totally makes sense yeah. that these problems would continue after the passing of those apostles. Right. And and whenever those apostles were gone, it just spiraled. Yeah. And it went crazy. I want to mention there are two things that you know we talk about how different your church is. There are two things that are always the same. The Lord's Supper and baptism; those are the first two institutions. They will continue on, and I just I thought it was really interesting. Whenever I was reading in my early church, so yeah, that's well, it's funny neat. that these these ecumenical councils didn't even touch, touch on those. that stuff. Yeah, well, they talk about the Lord's Supper, some transubstantiation, transubstantiation, and all that stuff. But there's, but it seemed like the majority of the issues was who's Christ, right? What kind of person was he? And and that's that seems to be what what really threw them up. Yep. So anyway, that concludes 
uh, our our delve into history this go around. Jeremiah, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, David. And make sure that you guys uh, reach out to us on our social networks and leave us some reviews. And you guys, uh, may God bless you, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you.